Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. Two places. Last week, we taught using Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30. We taught on soul winning. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he or she that winneth souls is wise. And we like to use that same verse of scripture to jump off today. But we would like to kind of pair that. You know how you pair a burger with fries and a Coke? I mean, no one goes to McDonald's just to get like a burger. You get the fries and you get the meal because it all works together, right? That's right. So, amen. It's just so good. And it's just so bad for you, but it's just so good. <laughs> so we'd like to teach we, uh, on, and focus it a little bit differently and teach on the soul winner, the person who wins souls. And use an example from Acts chapter 8. So really we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 and pretty much the entirety of that and maybe looking at Acts chapter 6 to give us a... Uh, a start. So if you want to flip over there, a husband and wife were searching for a hotel near the ocean, you know, going on vacation. The travel agency hooked them up with a four-star hotel for a great price, and they decided to go with it. The agency described the hotel as a stone's throw from the beach. And the person, the husband said, well, how will we know which one it is? The wife asked, you know, And uh, the agency replied, simple, it's the one with all the broken windows. (laughs) This This person said, I have been searching high and low, near and far, for my ex-wife's killer for two years. But no one is willing to take the job. (laughs) That's horrible, isn't it? You go like, oh, but it's just too true, isn't it? People are like that, right? But we want to deal with soul winning because soul winning is about not searching for your ex-wife's killer, right? Because Jesus is in the resurrection. You know that mankind, they think they're God because they can kill someone. But man can kill. It's, it's pretty evident. In fact... Uh, I, there was a statistic that in the 100 years from 1900 to 2000, we killed more people than the past 1900 years in war. Because men have just found better, more efficient ways to kill their fellow men. But if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be like God, he's into raising people from the dead. Now that's godlike. And Jesus, we read the account of Christ after three days and three nights, he rose from the dead. And people who were the apostles laid hands on people and they were raised from the dead. So if you want to be like God, don't go around shooting people. Go around raising people from the dead. And that will show that you're like God. That's the power of God. God is the one who makes people alive. So we're searching for people, soul winners, and I dealt with those jokes on searching because soul winners are looking for people, high and low, near and far. Not to do the first thing, but but to to hook them up to Jesus who's life. So I was reading about, and this is not a joke, but I was reading about a possible serial killer in Portland, Oregon. 
And so that I think there's six young ladies that have been killed in, in the Portland area. And they don't say it's a serial killer, but this retired uh, NYPD sergeant, his name is Joseph Giacoloni. You know, that's Italian, right? Joseph Giacoloni. He quotes and he says, if you look at the history of serial killers, they always prey on the most vulnerable and specifically people who are drug users homeless or prostitutes because they're transient. That means they don't have a fixed address. People aren't really looking for them after a certain period of time. And the groups that those individuals hang around with, whether it's the drug scene or the prostitution scene, are not really friendly with the police. So if you're a serial killer and you want to do what serial killers do, no one is looking for these. If these people fall off the face of the earth, nobody will notice. And no one will talk to their friends because their friends will be like, didn't see anything, don't know anything. Well, you know, God cares about people. Not just the transients, and I'm not looking at the transients and the prostitutes and the drug users, but soul winning is all about looking for people to make sure that they're not forgotten. Because the Bible said the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they may have what? Life and life more abundantly. Now Jesus doesn't come in his two shoes, but what does Jesus do? He sends his people. Now in the Old Testament, it was the prophets. And he said, he complained to his people. He said, I, I sent the prophets. They rose up early and they came. They went all over the place. Why? To warn Israel because Israel was in danger. And so they would warn them to repent of their sins. So in, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus, it says at one point, he must needs go through Samaria. Now, it was actually the closest way, the, the most direct way when he went through Samaria but Samaria was made up of Jews who were mixed with uh, people that the Assyrian king had put in there when their land was taken over. So Jews were, the Jews there weren't respected. They were like half-breeds, right? So they were prejudiced. The Jews were prejudiced. So they would walk around Samaria. If they had to go through Samaria, they'd be like, mm -mm, I'm going to go around the long way just so I don't have to be in this place. There was, there was a prejudice there. And look, people are just that way. But it said Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And he met that woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And what did she say? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She knew that Jesus was a Jew. She's like, you're breaking the societal trend. But Jesus was looking for a woman. And you know what? And she'd already been married, what, five times? All right? And the, the, the man that she had, she was playing house with. She wasn't even married to him. And she said, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> but you know what? He came to look for this woman. And you know that people are important to Jesus. So that's the very heart of God. And at the end of the account, this woman went off to find some, uh, and the men, she knew a lot of men. <laughs> Come see a man. They told me all things ever I did. Is this not the Christ? So she became a soul winner herself. And then what happened? All of these men came out and they said, you know what? We now believe him. They heard him. 
So we believe him because of what he said, his word, not just what you said. That is the picture of a soul winner. So uh, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. But the very commission of Christ in the book of Matthew, he said, go. It was for us, those that have the have salvation is to go. And he's like, preacher, when I come to church and things are right with God, what do I do now? Just read my Bible and stay at home and, you know, watch YouTube? No, go reach someone for Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of your Christianity. And so we want to look at three things. The great example of a soul winner is in Acts chapter 8. And the first thing, we want to look at three points. And I don't want to die in the altar of alliteration, okay? What is that? Things that start with the same letter? Because, you know, some people think, ooh, the preacher said it and it rhymes. It must be true. No, not necessarily because it rhymes. Or, but if things start with the same letter, they're easier to remember. Soul winners listen, soul winners learn, and soul winners lead. So I want to look at those three things about a soul winner. They listen, they learn, and they lead. And if you can practice those, because you can remember those things when you leave. It's, oh, remember all the scripture references, but soul winners, they listen, they learn, and they lead. And my daughter, she caught me today, and I was kind of like zoned out. We were eating dinner, and I was zoned out, you know, thinking of something. And my daughter told my wife, Daddy's not listening. <laughs> She saw that look and, you know, that like far away look. But I said, yes, I am. And I repeated just what she said. And I heard her, but I was just like on two frequencies, right? And I was already on to the next thing. But I was listening to her. And so I, right, I repeated it, right, Emma? Right what you said. And you know that sometimes people are listening even if you think they're zoned out. You know, someone could just be on their phone, but you start talking about Jesus at Winn-Dixie, that person behind you is tuned in to your conversation. If you talk about, man, God was good this week, or God's been dealing with my heart. When people hear God or Jesus, it's like, have you ever heard someone call the same name as your name? But it's not you. You listen for your name. If some, my name's Adam. If I hear, Adam! I'll look around, even if it's not me, that if it's another person named Adam. But it's the same thing. When you hear the name of Jesus, people listen. I mean, they, they perk their ears up. So uh, don't think that someone's just not listening. But anyway, a soul winner listens. So this man we'd like to talk about as the example of a soul winner, his name's Philip. He works at a gas station, right? No, but not really. But in Acts chapter 6, they, they were looking for more, uh, they, they, they ran out of manpower, and we're getting ready to get a new church. And you know what a new church is? More things to do and more people to get involved, and that's really what it is. So Reverend Patterson and I, we're, we're, we're like, we're maxed out, we're starting to forget stuff. Not because we're old, because I forgot to bring something to church. Reverend Patterson was looking for something that he forgot, and, and, uh, and uh, so... It's just that our, our minds are on other things, and it's specifically the new church building, because there's a lot to do. Here there's no lawn to mow. Here there's no other stuff to fix. You just call the landlord. But, we're, we're, uh, but it's not just about the church. The main focus of the gospel is the people. So if you look at Acts chapter 6, the number of disciples, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, the number of disciples was multiplied, so a bunch of people started to come to church. 
And there arose a murmuring. The comment section, right? Murmur, murmur. That's what it sounds. It's an onomatopoeic word because it sounds like the word is spelled. When you hear a murmuring, murmur, 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 murmur. You can't really understand it. So people were talking under the breath, you know? Man, this is not fair. That's like people in the comment section, they would never say that to your face. They're big and bold online, all caps, right? When they're in the comment section, exclamation point and emoji. If they saw you on the street, they would never say the stuff that they would say to you online, right? But it says there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So here we have some people getting mad because the widows weren't getting taken care of. They weren't being either fed or they weren't being visited. The soul winners weren't going by, but there was a lot to do. It wasn't a prejudice thing. There was just a problem with manpower. Welcome to post-COVID, right? You go to get your fast food and you're like, we've been here 20 minutes at McDonald's. Why? Because no one's working. I mean, people are scrambling around in there, right? They're down on their manpower. So the Bible said the 12, the apostles, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, right? So there was some serving that needed to happen. And this is where deacons come in, okay? And uh, it says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. To be a good listener to God, you have to have a life for God. Okay, they were looking for men who were Christians, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. What? To be a servant. That's what deacons are. They serve tables. They clean up like, like Spencer, wiping tables up after children's church and sweeping. That's what they, but the qualifications there, they wanted Christians. Just don't just get anybody. But these are very important jobs to do. Why? Because it's with the people. We're dealing with the people. And it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And let me tell you, that's not easy. You say, oh, I would love to just pray and read my Bible all day. You say that. But it's not easy to do that. Prayer is work. In fact, when we go to the church almost every day, I see all this stuff to do. And I'm like, honey, what is the first thing we do? Pray. Pray. Say, well, but, but I got all this stuff to do and I have less time to do it. Pray. Because prayer is work. Yeah. But you know, prayer puts God to work. And that's why the apostle said, if we quit praying, God will stop moving. We need to pray. So, so my daughter, she has her own prayer room in the church, right? One of the empty rooms. Goes, Can I go to my prayer room, Daddy? She's on summer vacation, so. And I told her no, because it was right by the front door. And we had the front door open. So I said, go make another room, your prayer room back there with Mommy. So, But the Bible said, so, and with the church's consent, so they, uh, uh, it pleased the multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. That's the man we're going to talk about. Prochorus. Nicanor, Timon, the guy from Lion King, right? Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, St. Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, okay? Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now notice, once they got these people involved, and you got more soul winners, and you got more people being part of the church, and I'll teach children's church, and I'll do this, and I'll help clean up, and I'll, I'll go soul winning, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll bring something for the kids or whatever. Then it says, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples 
multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Why? Because people got involved in the program of God. And the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So I said that to be, to be a listener to God, you have to have a life for God. So that's why Philip, he had to have a life before he could listen. And the Bible says, and we go to Acts chapter 8. So, you know, there's a fight. So this man named Saul is wrecking the church. He later becomes the Apostle Paul. But he's wrecking the church. It said making havoc of the church and taking people to prison. And the Bible said, so they were scattered abroad and they went preaching the word. And Philip, now here's Philip. He went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And that's really the message that we have is Jesus Christ. But he went and preached Christ. And there was such an amazing uh, uh, result that they sent Peter and John down there to see what was going on. So they came down and they found all these people. And you know what they did? Uh, They prayed for them. Now, you know that one time when Jesus was going through with the disciples through Samaria and the Samaritans weren't acting nice, nice to them. You know what this disciple said to Jesus? Master, wouldest thou that we pray fire that would come down from heaven and consume them? You know, like that they're some mighty prophet. Was that Elijah or Elisha that prayed fire down from heaven? Well, you know, no. (laughs) But they did the right thing here. And so when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they realized what they needed was that they would pray and the fire of the Holy Ghost would fall. When they were come down in Acts 8 and 15, they prayed for them in Samaria, same place, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. You know, that's what people need. Say, well, they're not perfect. I know, but we need power in order to walk right. And that's why the part of the gospel program is not just people receive Jesus, but that people receive the Holy Ghost. So, Brother Rick, how long was it before you came to church and got saved that you heard about the Holy Ghost? It probably wasn't long, right? You're like, what's that? What's salvation? Oh, I'm saved. Now, what's the Holy Ghost? But you you hear about it. Say, why? Is it because you're a Pentecostal church? No. It's what it says in the Bible. It didn't take long. And you say, well, preacher, our churches don't preach that. That's why they have no power. BC, you need the power of the Holy Ghost. And so Philip knew, and it wasn't all about a preacher, but it was about getting men and women hooked up to the power of the Holy Ghost. I like to share that it's an illustration of like Pac-Man. You know when you're running from the ghosts, but then you hit one of those power pellets, and then things change. The ghosts all change color, and Pac-Man, you start eating Blinky and Slinky, and the ghosts have names, right? You start eating them all up, right? And that's the same thing. When you get the power of the Holy Ghost, man, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're like, you're not knocking on doors like this. Like, you're like, why? I'm not ashamed. They open the door like that. They're like, hey, man, I want to give you an invitation to church. Why? Because I've got the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed to, to stand for God. I'm not ashamed to take, you know, a, a leap of faith. Why? I'm not ashamed to go to the altar. I'm not ashamed to bring my friends. Why? Because... I've got this power. And you know, this power isn't from reading your Bible. This power comes from heaven. And that's what we need. We need. So anyway, I'm just dealing with what happened. So Philip's preaching and, and God's blessing. And notice this. The angel of the Lord, Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. So soul winners are listeners, right? 
Wouldn't it seem like if you're a man and you're, you're like the, 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 the cause of this revival, soul winners are humble. You know, it's, it's humbling to listen to God because he might want you to do something that you don't want to do. Well, I think that I should do this. But is that what God said? Say, well, preacher, I, I, I think we should do this, you know? Like Jeff Foxworthy said, you know, when the father died, the brother said, yeah, I think I'm going to take that grandfather clock home. That's what daddy would have wanted. And uh, he said, no, daddy would have wanted you to get a job and pay mama back the money that you owe her. That's what daddy would have wanted. You know, a lot of us, we have in our own mind, well, this is what God wants me to do. What is it really? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, or is it just kind of line up with, you know, a lot of people say it's what God wants them to do, but it's really what they want to do. You know, you hear all, oh, well, God wants us together. We're married. It's the same thing. We love each other. No, if it was God, you'd have a ring on her finger and you'd have a marriage certificate. That's what daddy would have wanted, okay? But he was humble. The first thing about a soul winner, you've got to listen to God. And if you don't listen to God in your regular daily life, you won't listen to God because he can't speak to you to deal with, to deal with souls. Notice, it said, the angel of the Lord, verse 26, spoke unto, spake unto Philip, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is, there's no revival there, buddy. It's desert. Go out to where nothing's going on. You might think, that's not the Holy Ghost. I am having a good time. I've got a revival, people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. That's not Jesus. I rebuke you, devil. Be careful. That might be the Holy Ghost. There was this one man. Uh, he's a preacher, and someone had donated a diamond ring for the gospel, not for the preacher. And the Holy Ghost uh, laid on the preacher's heart, give it back to her, the diamond ring. And he's like, was that God? <laughs> he's like, he was like, he was going to say, like, I rebuke you, devil, because they were going to use this diamond ring, sell it, and then use it for missions. He was uh, uh, working for the gospel in India, but he obeyed God, and he gave it back. And, he, and the woman, I guess it was like her, you know, I don't know, it had real special meaning to her, but she thought God wanted to, to give it. But, you know, God isn't looking for our money. God's looking for us to listen. And if we'll listen, God will bless us. And if we'll listen, people will be one to Jesus. So it, it seems so counterintuitive. It's like paying tithe. If I pay tithe, that's 10%. Now I only have 90%. It doesn't make any sense. I know math. Unless God blesses your 90%. I was just talking about Chick-fil-A. You know what it says on the bottom of their sign? Every sign. Closed Sunday. Yeah, but those guys are, you know, second rate. They're the most profitable quick serve restaurant. Look it up. They don't have the most locations, but they make the most, not make the most money, they make the most profit. That's different. That means they make the most profit that they can take and use to pay and build. And Because why? Well, it's expensive to go to Chick-fil-A, but I believe it's because they put God first. And I told my wife, if they ever start opening on Sunday, that's the beginning of the end. And just because they took a stand for God. And it doesn't seem like it makes any sense, but brethren, it works. <laughs> when you listen to God, you'll find out It'll work. But my finances are a mess. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Because the result is 
it works. <laughs> and the thing was soul winning. He listened. It said, heroes. So he listened. The first part of a soul winner is they listen. I mean, I'm running out of time. I got like five minutes. But, and it said, behold. Now, you see, God, you know, I've heard of this about Uber. I've never done Uber before, but you put it on your phone, right? And it's all hooked up and your credit card's hooked up to Uber. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You put an app on your phone and all of the Uber cars, they're tracked. There's like, a, they know where all, because all the Uber cars are hooked up on, on the internet. So there's like a master Uber guy or AI that knows where all these Uber cars are. Well, God knows where everybody is. And if he tells someone to go down to the desert, like a wide receiver going out for a pass, he knows where he's going to intersect with the person that he wants them to intersect with. And the Bible says, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority. Now a eunuch was a man that was safe to be around women. Why? Because he wasn't broken. He was fixed. So they removed the part of the man. It's a, that's what a eunuch was, okay? That, that reproduced. So I know we have little ears here, but, but... So they were safe to be around the harem. They were safe to be around sensitive things, right? Well, that's what it is. That's in the Bible. So it's a eunuch. But it said he was gr of great authority under what? A woman, a queen. So they had trusted him to be around the queen, the king did. Queen, Con I've heard Kandake or Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. And the Bible said, who had charge, the charge of all her treasure. This was a like CFO. I mean, I don't know how to translate this. This man was, he was a, he was a very, he was a VIP, right? I, I, it said he was in his chariot, but I was wondering if he had like a big bunch of people around him, like a, you know, like a, a, a guard and everything. I remember I saw Jesse Jackson, uh, the, uh, the preacher, maybe 25, ooh, 30 years ago. I saw him. Well, preacher, what'd you do? I was a little kid. He was a celebrity. I, but he had bodyguards like around him. And I remember he just looked tired. And I, I know how it is. And I just walked up through his bodyguards. I guess I didn't look like I was a threat, right? I was like a little 18-year-old. And I said, hey, Mr. Jackson, it's good to meet you. I was just, he was a celebrity. I'm not looking at politics or whatever. But, so I got to meet uh, uh, Jesse Jackson. And, and uh, I don't know if he said anything to me, but uh, you could tell he was an important person. He had the people around him. He looked tired. And uh, they didn't beat me up, thankfully. But the Bible says, And had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning. So he had gone. He had worshipped God in Jerusalem. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. And so he's reading Isaiah. Now, now, why you have these different translations is that the Old Testament is translated from a different language as the New Testament is. So that's why you get Isaiah and the Old Testament you get, because that's from the Greek, right? And the Aramaic, the Old Testament is from the Hebrew, and you get uh, Isaiah. So this man was reading Isaiah. You know, it's amazing that the Bible is an incredible document. It was written by 40 different men, 40 different men over like 1500 
years. And it was written on different continents. We had Asia, Africa, maybe even Europe. And yet the men who uh, wrote one part didn't know the men of the other part. They had died hundreds of years before. And yet the Bible, it has all of these cross-references, like fibers that just agree, because really it had one author. It had just a bunch of scribes writing stuff down that you have in the Psalms about uh, Jesus being crucified on the cross. You read the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, and you're like, wow, these same uh, uh, metaphors of these different beasts. It sounds so similar. Why? Because the Word of God is one incredible document that comes from heaven. It is unlike any other. And I was talking to a gentleman who's a new Christian. He said, I want to read every word. And I was like, that's the way to do it, man. Get in the Bible. Well, so he was excited. This, this man was reading. It was probably a scroll. And he was reading Isaiah, which if you read Isaiah, Isaiah is like a miniature Bible. Okay, so there's 66 books in the Bible. Okay, there's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Well, Isaiah deals the first 39 books of the Old Test of the Isaiah, the first 39 chapters, excuse me, of Isaiah, kind of correspond to the Old Testament. And then the last 27 deal with the renewing. And uh, if you read chapter 40 of Isaiah, it deals with the uh, prophecy of John the Baptist who is going to come right before Jesus. And I was like, wow, it's just kind of like reading a whole Bible. And there's so many prophecies of what Christ the Messiah would be, how he would die on the cross, how he would uh, suffer for us, how he would take our sins upon him. And if you want to read the last uh, chapter, like 53 of Isaiah, You'll read uh, chapter 3, 53, 54, 55 of what I, that Christ would receive our sins and then he would suffer for us. So he's reading that and he has no idea what he's reading and say, what happens? Well, soul winners learn. So they learn this. I'm going to deal with that next, next Tuesday, but soul winners listen. And really, I want to give you a challenge. Uh, 